G'day legends and welcome to the Thursday session by Celtic Down Under. I'm your host Jared and joining me tonight are Willie and Stephen. How are you Willie? I'm doing all right, yeah. It's been a busy old week here in New Zealand. Like Things are starting to pick up. Wish the weather would pick up though. Um, nothing but rain for a week solid now. And how are you doing Stephen? Yeah, not too bad. Raining in, raining in Sydney as well. Um, we're, we're full steam ahead for, for Christmas now. The, the Christmas lights are getting switched on down in Martin Place tonight. Um, so ridiculous as it seems. Um, still in the middle of November, uh, but it's full steam ahead for Christmas. Ah, fair enough. You boys are dealing with the rain, and as you can see behind with the flag, it's uh, the aircon's flicking it around because it's filthy hot down here at the moment. So it's it's not overly hot, but humid, so good fun. But, yeah, Christmas is coming up. It's, you know, how is it, six weeks to go? Oh, yeah, no, not even that. Yeah, just a little over a month, so it's all happening. Jeez, what's going on here? There's a lot of football to get through with Celtics, so I suppose we'll uh, we'll just crack on. So before we do, though, just thanks, everyone, for tuning in to all of the podcasts we put out over the international break and, as usual, on our live podcast on a Monday and a Thursday. So... What I just want to do is if you're watching and you're on YouTube or listening to the podcast and you haven't subscribed, hit the subscribe button on your podcast app and on YouTube, hit the notification bell on YouTube when we go live and check out www.sewitdownunder.com. It's got links to our podcast, the YouTube channel, all our social medias, accounts, and there's also our stores on there too. So you can get like Sewit Down Under t-shirts, hoodies, drink bottles, whatever. If you want to, you know, support the podcast and get someone near and dear to you, uh, a T-shirt or a hoodie or a, ja- or a you know a drink bottle for a Christmas present. That'll be an interesting one. Try and explain that. <laughs> yeah, we'll, um, we'll get on to the show. So what I want to start off with, boys, is it's been a couple of weeks since we've done a live show, so I just wanted to go through a bit of a general chat about any news topics that occurred during the international break that we found interesting. So could be anything. I've got... Um, about five or six topics that I've listed here. So I'll rattle off a couple of them just to get your opinion and then we'll get you boys to jump in with some as well. So the main one that I wrote down is Killy are ripping up their plastic pitch. Like To me, about bloody time. Now all you got to do is get Livy on board with that idea and things will be great. But, yeah, I just wanted to get your thoughts on that, Steve, and what are your thoughts with uh, Killy going back to a grass pitch eventually? Yeah, I think that's that's great news. Um, it's well overdue. And the, the pitches are not only they're not only artificial pitches, but they're very poor artificial pitches, um, at both Kelly and Livingston. Um, I did read that report myself. There is a few caveats on that uh, in terms of they're the redeveloping a training pitch and a training centre uh, close by to Rugby Park. And if they can get that finished in time, um, then they're, they're going to have a, a synthetic pitch there. Um, and then a relay grass um, at, at Robbie Park, but it's all dependent on getting the, getting planning permission for the for the new training centre. Um, but yeah, once we got once we get rid of that grass pitch, then we should be able to get some sort of vote through the SPFL with only one remaining team uh, having a plastic pitch, and hopefully we can put this to bed forever. Um, it's a topic that that's hung around for far too long, uh, and we need to be proactive about getting rid of them. The key thing is we're going to get it to that point where we can do that before, you know, either Hamilton or Livy or both of them are back in the top flight together because you need that 11-to-1 vote. And the great equaliser for Livy is 
playing their turgid football on their shocking pitch. So I look at it and think that's um, – I don't think they're going to be willing to or be very forthcoming to change that, especially with the money that they're losing. But, Willie, what's your thoughts? Um, I Long overdue, I hate the plastic pitches. They're one of the biggest turnoffs in football in Scotland, uh, without a question. Like, um, as for Livingston, I, I mean, if Kill, Kill, do go ahead with Kelly getting the grass pitch and going to the vote. I have a funny feeling Kill, uh, Livingston won't be in the top flight. Come the time, Kilmarnock get a plastic, their plastic pitch gone. Um, they've been sort of skirting relegation on their form this season. has been pretty honking. Like, so with a little luck, they might not be there. So they won't, they won't need to they, a vote against for them. Like, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Willie, you got anything that you've found, any interesting news or topics that popped up over the break that you want to discuss? I suppose the most interesting ones is like they sort of came up at the AGM, which we're going to touch later, is that, that we're going to go to the SFA and we're going to sit down and have a chat about VAR. Um, I suppose when the international breaks come around, it's all transfer rumours and stuff like that. The Sydney Van Hoydonk one sort of reared its head in, in Italy. I don't know they're trying to tout a move for him, but it's it's a move I would welcome, mate. Yeah, so apparently Pierre Van Hoydonk has said that he's not telling his son what to do, but he'd love to see him in the hoops. So I don't know if Sydney would want to make that move, but yeah, he seems like the sort of player that, you know, could do a job for us. The issue is going to be how much are they going to want for the transfer fee? And are we willing to, uh, you know, push the boat out a little bit there? Stephen, you got any topics that popped up for you that you're interested in? Well, the main story for the international, uh, over the international break for me is I'm becoming more and more annoyed with the amount of minutes that Callum McGregor's playing for Scotland. Um, Scotland essentially played two dead rubbers. Now, I know... Um, the, the, there was still a possibility that they might be able to top the group, but it was never never very likely, and it certainly wasn't likely uh, going into the game against Norway. It certainly wasn't possible going into the game against Norway. Um, so he played another 88 minutes against Norway, got substituted with two minutes to go, and, it, and it's an absolute joke, uh, the amount of minutes he's playing, and it cannot, it, it can't not affect um, his overall health. Um, and uh, towards basically towards the end of the season, we've just signed Callum McGregor to a five-year deal. So the longevity of his career is absolutely critical for us. And for him to be battering out the minutes, even guys like John McGinn are getting taken off before him. Um, and I'm not sure whether that's because you know their club manager are, are asking for him to play less minutes. But we should certainly be making representations to Steve Clark. You know, you understand that. Players want to play for their international team and it's good for their career um, and, and we want to see that happening. But when you get to the other side of 30, and this happened with Scott Brown as well, he called time early on his international career. I think maybe after the Euros next year, I think it may be time for Cal McGregor to call it a day with Scotland. Um, you know, there's plenty of players coming through to play in the Scotland midfield uh, and I don't see any reason why they're flogging them like this and it's certainly something that's really got under my skin. Yeah, it makes I no sense to me either. I was going to say, I mean, we've got an abundance of centre midfielders who, who could do with a bit of game time to see how they can see if they can stay, make the next step to the, the top team. I mean, Lewis Ferguson's there in Italy. He's not really getting a sniff in the Scotland squads. Kenny McLean, he comes on and fits and starts. It's There's plenty of players there. Billy Gilmore, too, is another one you could probably give a full game mm-hmm. to, right? But we just see, they just seem to persevere with Callum McGregor. As good a player as Callum is, like you do say, he does need that rest, like. 
that's never forthcoming. Yeah, he was a man of the match. He was he had a great game against Norway. Um, and you know, you love to see it's great to see Scott the Celtic players represent Scotland. Um, and I'd never you'd never stand in a way of their international career, but when you get to a certain age, um, and you know, the games come thick and fast for us, and the, you know, it's two games a week almost for now till Christmas, and we need to we need to have our guys in, in top condition, and it's just not gonna happen if they're getting flogged. Yeah, so I'll go with a few other you boys got any other you know, things that you want to discuss on there? Or you got a couple more, or do you want me to just rattle through what I've got on the list? We'll just discuss them and then what are you thinking? Yeah, just battle through your list, Jared. I see a few things on there that I was I would have mentioned as well. So Liam Scales is rumored to be in talks to get a new contract. Good, he's earned that in my opinion. He's one of the first names on the team sheet. Anyone who says he hasn't earned that contract is, uh, you know, has got to put the the glue down, in my opinion. Any any comments on that, boys? No, I think it's thoroughly deserved. It might see the end of um, Stephen Welsh's time at Celtic, but thoroughly deserved um, new contract for Liam Skills. Like, yeah, I think that I think the rumours are that, that Kobayashi is going to be heading out um, at Christmas on uh, on loan, at least you know initially on loan, and uh, I'm not really quite sure you, you'll see Kobayashi back again. It, it might go the same way as Edaguchi and just head back to the G League. Um, and try and find a permanent home there. It's just not really worked out for him. Now, that being the case, you know, you're one set and a half down again. And although we have got plenty there just now, I think there would be a place in the squad for Liam Skills. And you're absolutely right. You know, I've read a lot of things in social media about it being a, a bit of a immediate reaction to a few good performances in a row. Um, but I think Liam Skills has showed how a player can improve, especially under under uh, Brendan Rodgers. And um, I think... You know, you, you've got you've got to think that there's more improvement again in Liam Skills, uh, and if he can work on certain aspects of his game, you know, and it, you know, certainly he needs to move the ball a little bit quicker. He needs to be quicker on his in his passing from the back, and um, if you can improve those facets to his game, then I think you'll have an excellent player on your hands. And so I think he definitely deserves a new contract. Yeah, I think looking at it, he's done well in terms of he went on loan last season. He did well. He got he was probably one of the better defenders outside of us and, you know, the Glasgow bubble, as they call it. So he's been doing – he did well last season. Now he's come in. He's established himself. He's doing well at, at the league level. You get him back in Europe. He doesn't look out of place even at the Champions League level for me. I think he's done well. He's made a few mistakes, but so is Cardovic, so is every other player in the team considering the calibre of players we're up against. I think it's more getting a full year under Brendan Rodgers where he's playing, getting the regular – you know, game time situations and development. Next year, we're going to see something even better. So, yeah, I think the way he's relaunched and, you know, regenerated his career this season at Celtic is much like in Andrew's first year, the way Tony Ralston did. But I just think Scales has got a lot more upside. And Patrick McLaughlin is saying he deserves a new contract. Um, next one is Celtic scouting attacking midfielder Kanji Akun, Akunuki from Nuremberg in Germany and Luke Bartman from Cape Town Spurs. So Luke Bartman's a 17-year-old. He's just made his first team debut, South African boy. Uh, apparently, he's already been linked with clubs in the EPL. So apparently, we've had a, we've had guys down there having a look at him. I don't know how much is to read into that. Would that be one for the B team? Would that be one to come in as a third-string striker? don't know. But it's good that we're looking at it. 
Liam's told us about Akukanuki, however you say it. Oh, I think I may have just got it right then. That he's at a decent, um, a decent level, but he's being kept out of the Japan squad by, you know, they've got such a, t- a plethora of talent there in the middle of the park. And if if, if Atate can't get into the squad, this bloke won't be able to either. So I don't know if that's one that you want to sign. Um, another one was that there's a story from Kevin Van Veen wants to move back to Scotland because he's um, having issues with FC Grunigan. It's been linked with the Huns. Willie, do you think we should be looking at him for that third, second or third striker we've been talking about? What is he, 30, 31 years old? Bit of a different type to what we got. What do you think? He would do as a stopgap. I mean, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't say no to it. The guy knows the way where where the back of the net is, and he's shown he can do it in Scotland. So it's not, it's not. It wouldn't be my first choice, like. But if if it was going to be a stopgap till the end of the season, because we do know that we're going to lose a few players to the Asian Cup, so it, it might be worth something looking at. But I would, I would rather explore younger um, options before I would go for Kevin Bambin, if I'm honest. Yeah, for me, it'd be a max 18-month contract. You give him the rest of this season and maybe next year to just be in there and be challenging O and that for the backup striker role. And you know he can do it in Scotland. He wouldn't be Champions League level. Stephen, what's your thoughts? Yeah, it's a big no from me. Um, I think that sort of signing has got Rangers written all over it. Um, A guy who's on the way almost at the end of his career. He won't be cheap. Um, You know, his salary will be reasonably high. And um, he's still, all he's going to do, I mean, I know we talk about the Asian Cup, but the Asian Cup only lasts for a, a couple of weeks or a few weeks. We do have the option to, to, to postpone games because we'll have a few players there. Um, and we still don't know 100% how many players we're going to lose. Um, so we haven't seen the makeup of the Japan and the Korea squads. Um, so all might be there. He might not make the Korean squad. He's not really featured that much. Um, he's made a few substitute appearances, but he's not been regular. Uh, under Klinsman, so he might not even make the squad. So all you're going to do by signing a guy like Van Veen is put a roadblock in the way of uh, O. I'm not, you know, I'm not 100% convinced with O yet. Played well against Aberdeen, scored a couple of good goals. Um, but if you're going to sign another striker, I would like it to be somebody much better than that, much younger uh, and with much more upside. Um, so, you know, it's a no for me. I think it's a, it's a pretty, it would be a pretty poor move from us. Yeah, look, I'm I'm not for it. I'm just going to make sure I say this properly. I'm not for the signing, right? I think you'd do a job for us as a stopgap, as we said, but I'd like to see us, you know, raise the eyes and do something a bit better. So if we're, we're going to do that, let's find someone to challenge Kyrgyz for that starting spot. Let's go out there and get a first-team regular starter ready for the Champions League next year. That's the sort of thing I'm wanting us to do. I know that costs a lot of money and wages and transfer fees, so it's going to be a tough one. But I'm sure we could do something. But if we were to sign Van Veen, you're running the risk of it being another um, Carlton Cole or a um, – who's that other bloke that came in? Colin sort Cousin of, Richards. That's the one, Kazim Richards sort of signing. And I don't know whether it's going to be the right move for us or not. If he wants to go to the Huns and join their, their list of – seven or eight strikers that they've got there who can't find the back of the net, then have at it. And for that person who always comments on the pod whenever we say Huns, 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 that's for you, sir. Someone you, you've, got to remember, you've, got, you've got to remember as well, Van Veen has really had one prolific season in his whole career. 
Um, that's why he ended up playing for Motherwell. You know what I mean? He had a good season there. He really he did. He scored a few good goals and he was pretty prolific. But that's been it for his whole career. There's been nothing else there to suggest that he's, he's a top-level striker that we need uh, to be playing for us. So, you know, I agree with you, Jared. Let him go to Rangers. Let them have him. Let him, let, let him suck up more of their wage bill that they can't afford. Yep. Patrick in the comments is saying that's what Van Veen would be another Kifty. And I actually Patrick, saw Nadia Shifty play for Celtic. Man. He was absolutely terrible. Like, was, I've never was. seen such a lazy person on the pitch. I mean, you honestly see if you went to an amateur football match where you're watching like the big belly centre halves and that, he was about as mobile as one of them. Like, it was just like, what are you doing? You're just standing there like, it's terrible. My, like. my question, Willie, Shifty or a Yeti for the least. You know, oh. off the ball, lack of movement. Who would move the least? I would say Chief Chi. Uh, yeah, he, like, he moved inside the box. He didn't move outside it, but Chief Chi just yeah. sort of stood there. He was like in the middle of the pitch, in the centre, like the penalty spot. He just kind of stood there. It was just like, all right, very good. Can you do anything? You know, um, the, the, the agent that brought Chief Chi to Celtic was, was Pierre Van Hoydonk. Right. But there's another <laughs> so I had to quote. Calling earlier about Pierre Van Hoydonk talking about his son Sydney. I wouldn't listen to much Pierre Van Hoydonk has to say. He recommended Nadir Chiefty to us. But that, that's another good example with Kevin Van Dien. Nadir Chiefty had a good season for Dundee United. One good season with Dundee United, and we went out and signed him, and it just all fell by the wayside then. So, could just because in Scotland doesn't mean you're good enough for Celtic, but at the same time, we yeah. do need to, I think we do need to look a bit within Scotland because there are going to be some players there. But that's a talk for a whole nother story. So, um, and a whole nother podcast. Um, Patrick said, we'd seen we're in for an Irish lad. Yeah, there's a young right back, 17-year-old. Uh, I had it up on my phone. Bear with me a second. Um, Sam Curtis, his right back, he's playing for St. Patrick's Athletic. Um, look, it looks like we're in scouting him as well. So, yeah, it's interesting that we're already forward planning. Um, but the next one, I think, um, I think, I think um, going by Brendan Rogers' comments um, at the AGM, I, I don't think we'll be signing any players like that uh, in the January window. He, he, he's basically said, "What well, if you if you take him if you take him through his word, he's saying we're going to trim the squad um, and we're going to be adding, you know, quality to the squad." So you know, all the guys we've mentioned so far, none of those, none of those guys fit the bill. Um, we've got a first-team squad of 32 players and we just can't be adding players uh, onto that. Guys who won't come straight in and be challenging for the first team. So, yeah, if you want to sign guys for the B team, um, that's fine. But I don't really understand why any of these kids would want to, you know, join our B team and go and play the, the butchers and bakers of the world uh, down in the Lowland League. Uh, but we certainly won't be, we certainly shouldn't be signing any more I hesitate to say project players because it's an overused term, but certainly well, players who are just coming in with a view to develop them. Yeah. Well, speaking of players who could come straight back in, there's been rumours of Jota returning to Celtic. Um, this is an interesting one online for me. If he wanted to come back, I'd be I'd be keen. But I look at our front line and I go, where would he fit? Would he be coming in to be a number ten for us instead of playing on the wing? Would he play on the wing and would that push um, Palmer into the number 10 role? What are your thoughts, Willie? I'm not sure on it because 
if he's going to come back in, he's going to be come back in on loan, and it won't be a loan with an option to buy because we won't be able to one afford the transfer fee to bring him back in. Because, well, then again, there's Saudi Arabian teams; they might cut their losses and just say, "I oh, will take, we'll take them a million for him or whatever." But I don't think we'll ever be able to afford his wages. So it's one of the hard positions. You, you would love to see him back in a Celtic jersey, absolutely. You would, you know, what I mean, he's a class player, like, but. At the end of the day, it's only going to be from January till the end of the season. So, I I, I don't know. I'm not. I'm, Judy's out on that, that for me. I'm afraid. So before we go to you for your thoughts, Stephen, we've got Patrick McLaughlin is saying Jota returning is a no-brainer if it's affordable and he's keen. Palmer on the left, Jota on the right would be frightening. And where would Maeda play? That's the question. If you did that. Um, RL77, hearing Jota's just bought the brazen head. So that'd be wise coming back. Stephen, what's your thoughts on the whole Jota rumours? Yeah, I'll, I'll firstly caveat to be saying I can't see it happening. I think if he's available on loan, there'll be there'll be teams from bigger leagues than Scotland will be interested in taking him. Um, but if, if the circumstances were right uh, and if we could uh, get him back I mean, I wouldn't be interested in a six-month loan. I'd maybe be interested in an 18-month loan um, if there was if there was a deal we'd be done on, on those terms, but, but not for six months. Um, it's interesting you see about where would Maeda play. There's been a bit of talk online about how the team looked so much better against Aberdeen in an attacking sense uh, when you had two more technical wingers on the pitch. Um, I think that's a, that's, a, that's a point worth exploring about whether Maeda, great player though he is, in terms of the energy levels and his pressing, uh, when you're at home against teams that are just camped in with a low block, um, it's good to have two guys who can who can you know use a bit of trickery, go past players and, and swing decent delivery into the box. For all Maeda's qualities, that's not it with him. Um, so if there was a chance to play Jota left, uh, sorry Palma left Jota right, um, I'd love to see that. I think it'd be a, a great combination. I mean, I'm quite happy. I know Yang's doing well. Um, but I think you know you'd have to slow him back to the bench if Jota was available. Just on that, you think back to Paddy Roberts on the right, Scott Sinclair on the left in Rogers' first season, the invincible treble season. So yeah, two tricky wingers out there can beat a man. Yeah, it makes, makes perfect sense what you're saying, Stephen. Last one I wanted to bring up was, and this is something that was put in our group chat. I want to discuss what we all think of the chances are of Matt O'Reilly being sold in January. Now, we're already talking about Brendan Rodgers was saying that we'll talk a bit more on that anyway about players going out in um, in the January window and which players it'll be. But, yeah, do you think Matt O'Reilly will be one of them, Stephen? Um, no, no, I don't. Um, and I really hope he's not. Um, but I, I worry... That um, you know, he's he's, he's sort of started at, at its highest as it's been since he signed for Celtic, and there will be people taking notice. And I think that if a team came in with a with a suitably high bid, um, I think we, it would be sold. Now I don't see that happening um, over the transfer window. I do think it'll be sold next summer, uh, without a shadow of a doubt. And to be quite honest with you, he probably should be sold next summer. Um, if, if we're serious about having a a player trading model that actually works. Um, and, you know, we should be looking for a figure, an eight-figure an eight number starting with a three 
um, definitely thirty million at least for for Matt O'Reilly. But you know, you just don't know um, what's been agreed between him and his agent when he signed his, his contract extension earlier. You know, is there a is there a, a trigger clause for if an EPL an EPL team comes in for him? I don't know the answer to that. Um, but you never know with the Celtic board. They, they, they have shown in the past they will jump um, if a big cash offer's dangled in front of them. But I just don't think it will happen in January with Matt O'Reilly. I think probably he's also better to, to play the, the, the next since six months of the season at Celtic and develop a little bit further. Yeah, but what do you think, Willie? Uh, I think if um, if O'Reilly sold in January, we riot. Like I, he is Mister Consistent in midfield. He is the creative spark in there. He's the number ten. If you take him out of that midfield, it becomes very flat for me. And I can't see Rogers being happy if you take out that that little bit of inspiration that's in there. So for me, it's a definite no. Yeah, Stephen says in the summer comes if a decent bid comes in, it'll be hard for us to turn down. But you'll have enough time to try and get a replacement in. Right in January, it'll be very difficult to find somebody who will get in there and hit the ground running. So no, definitely not. Well, yeah, that's what I think. Not in January. Um, I'm looking at it here. So some of the comments. Uh, John Clements is saying no top starters are going in January. Patrick saying it'll be difficult to keep Matt beyond next summer. RL77, player trading is important but can't continually break up a team. Patrick saying, his ceiling won't get any higher. I don't imagine after next summer the board, so the board will take advantage. The Pork Chop Express is, Celtic should never sell a top player halfway through a season, especially this one where there's a large pot of cash waiting for the winners of the league. So I agree with all those points. I don't want him to go. I don't think he should go. The thing... I look at when we talk about player trading is it depends on the model and how we're going to do it in the summer. For me, as Stephen said, a number starting with in, you know, eight figures starting with three, that's the minimum. He's got what four years left on his contract. He's just broken out of the Danish national team. He's been playing well in the champions league. We need to break that $25 million level that we're hitting at the moment where we've capped out it. We need to push through that, that barrier. So it's got to be at that level. And then, how do we reinvest? Do we go and spend, you know, ten million on a quality like for like to come straight in, or are we going to go the production line that we're talking about and go? Okay, O'Reilly's out. We've already got his replacement here in in home. We push him into that, and then we bring in another guy to plug the the spot that Home's in, and have him start for another couple of years, and then he's the next one bit and sold for big money. Depends what model we go with, but. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how how it'll all work out if that happens in the summer. But that's not for but that's for the end of the season to talk about. I mean, that, that's why I sort of caveated that by saying if we had a, a proper player trading model. But the truth is, we don't. Um, and you know, if if we did, as you say, Jared, if we sold Matt O'Reilly for a figure above thirty million, then you should be buying a a replacement for him in for for you know around about the ten, maybe ten to twelve million mark. Whether you're selling them two years down the line maybe for 40 million rather than 30. And so you incrementally increase the value in your squad. Uh, but we all know that's not the way we operate at the moment. And we're far more likely to go and buy, you know, for that for that 30 million we get, we'll bank the majority of it and go buy another five players from between one and two million um, and hope one of them's good. Now, the only thing, I agree with what everybody's saying, it's unlikely that it will be sold in January. But my, my only concern is you have got um, Odin home there, you have got Paolo Bernardo there who can both play that role. 
Um, you know, and that would be my worry that the Celtic see that and see, okay, let's take the money and just give these guys a run in the team. Um, you know, especially if we manage to increase a league and a lead in the lead in the league. Uh, between now and the January transfer window. So I'm going to go on a little tangent here. Porkchop Express is agreeing with what you're saying, Stephen. They'll sell them for 25 and buy four projects and pocket, basically pocket the rest. Um, but then I'm looking at this one here, RL77. Whoever replaces him better be as handsome. Fair enough, but that's just not possible. That's just not possible, is it? <laughs> <laughs> And then um, the tangent I was going to go on is you don't want him to go and be like a um, – like Stuart Armstrong has moved on and I'm not saying that, that he's that sort of player, but what I'm – like I said, Riley's got a much higher level that he can get to. But I'm looking at Stuart Armstrong, good, good quality player for us, decent, moved on, he's done well. The other one I'm going to talk about is who's at a similar level right now to what O'Reilly's at right now, where he pushes on and does bugger all, is Stefan Johansson. You don't want to end up becoming another Stefan Johansson, going to Fulham, going to wherever else, just floating around the championship in that level and not hitting those levels again. And then, you know, because you're playing for a Scandinavian international team, racking up 50, 60 international caps, but not being at the top, top playing the Champions League again. So I don't want that for O'Reilly. So when he moves on, I want him to be selective. I want it to be a good move and for great money for the club. And we all we all celebrate and push forward. What's that, Patrick? Stewie's on a, a free this summer. Didn't mean to bring that up. That actually wasn't what I was going for. But there you have it. Yeah, so... That's the tangent I'm going on. You just want to look at it. I, I, I like O'Reilly, the way he plays and the way he is. I want him to do well. If, when he leaves Celtic, I want him to go to a, the next rung. I'd love to see him go to Germany. I reckon that's the right move for him, not the EPL. If he was to go and play yeah. for, say, Leverkusen or someone like that, like a fourth through to tenth sort of thing club in Germany, mm-hmm. establish himself there, and then we sell him, and then we have a good sell-on fee as well. I could say it could be a nice little earner for us and a good move for him. Yeah, I think um, Matt O'Reilly will think very carefully about his next move. He seems to be a young man with a, with a good head in his shoulders, as well as being a very handsome head in his shoulders. Um, he obviously, he left Fulham, um, who were in the EPL, to, to move to, to MK Dons. Uh, and he'd done that because he, he, was, he, was, he had lots of belief in his own ability to play first-team football at a high level. So he took a step back in order to take a step forward and ended up getting his move to us. Um, and, I, you know, I don't think he's going to be the type of player who makes a bad move. I do think his next move will be a good one. Um, and I do agree with you, Jared. It'd be great to see him in, in Germany or even maybe in the Spanish league as well. I think he'd do really well there. Um, he's building a reputation for himself across the continent with his um, with his cap for Denmark now. And I, he'll go, probably go on to be a mainstay in their team. Um, and that's only good for him and only good for us for the value we get when we when we eventually sell him. Yep, hundred percent. Willie, I'll give you the final say on it. No, I just think if if he carries on the kind of form he's had this season and he plays a couple of good games against Lazio and Feyenoord in the remaining Champions League games, then he'll have his pick of clubs. It's not like he's going to 
have to accept an offer from any any old English Premier League team. He'll be able to pick and choose where he wants to go. And as Stevie says, he, he, he's switched on guy. He'll know where, where which of the moves will be right for him. If he turns around and says, no, I'll stay at Celtic for another season, try and prove himself even better in the Champions League, then he might even do that. But the club might just force him out. So for the money. Last thing I wanted to do before we dive into the AGM talk is... There was a photo after the Scotland-Norway game and I was just like, saw it in the back of my head. It's like, memories, however that really bad song goes. The reason is you had the former players. You had Chris Iyer, Alanusi, Christie, Armstrong, uh, Kalmack, and there was one other. Uh, Taylor. Taylor. Taylor were all there, all the boys just having a bit of a chat after the game and I just looked at it and thought, what? What a what a bunch of players! Like good on them. I just seeing stuff like that just makes you proud. To, you know that they've been at our club and they're doing things, but then you know they're all still getting along. So yeah, I just wanted to bring that up as well. RL seventy seven. I'll let you finish it off then. Matty's going to stay for ten years, become captain, then retire to run the brazen with Jota. There it is. It's been said. Okay, so AGM. There's plenty of talking points. So how do you want to do this? Do you want me to go through a rundown of like the play-by-play of what happened or do you just want me to go a few random topics again? How do you boys want to tackle it? Well, just I'm happy for you to run through a few topics. Jared, if we reach the end and we've got anything else to bring up, we can do it then. Ripper, sounds good. So apparently Peter Lawwell is claiming that he has never seen or read the five-way agreement. Bullshit. Absolute pesh, right? He was there. He was part of it, and he's just fucking lying about it. That's all he's doing, right? There's the sand. There's my head. Head in the sand. I know nothing what you're talking about, right? Yeah, Peter Law was balls deep in the five-way agreement. That's for absolutely for certain. But the only, the only thing I would say was, why does, um, I think it's Joe McHugh, the guy's name is, and he brings this up every year at the AGM. And I understand what the guys try to achieve. And, you know, it's not good. The five-way, it was all wrong. Peter Law's involvement in that was, was very, very poor. Um, and I've got no respect for him at all, but I don't see there's any point in, in bringing it up every year. Um, there are other things we could be talking about at the AGM and, and by, by keeping on happening on about that. He's never going to admit to it and we're never going to be able to prove that he was a party to the five-way agreement. So I think we just need to let that one um, like that one slide um, by necessarily by next year's AGM. I hope we're not still talking about it. It's a complete waste of a question, isn't it? You know what I mean? It's just like five minutes soaked up that could be used for talking about something else. Like. Well, what's he expecting? What's he expecting of me? Saying he's expecting of me say, yeah, actually I did read it, even though I've told you all these previous years that I didn't. You know, it's just never going to say that. You know, it's just a, you're right. It's a waste of time. Yep, so uh, next one was Michael Nicholson was asked about the refs in VAR. Um, he responded, you know, penalty ranges was his reply to some sort of comment. And then they said, as you mentioned earlier, Stevie, that they're going to be talking about that, going to the SFA or, or whatever it is to discuss that today or tomorrow. So, yeah, um, what's your thoughts on that? Ready first, Stevie. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing that said it irritated me the most about the AGM was these just smart-ass quips about referees. 
Um, now we, you know, we've got the lived experience of, of the what happens with referees in Scotland, and um, I would much rather see them actually doing something about it rather than just making smart ass comments. Peter Law did it as well later on in the in the in the proceedings when he said, uh, "What was it? The last penalty? Sorry, the last penalty given against Rangers was a handball against John Gregg." Um, and that's hilarious, and you're getting a cheap laugh from all the guys that are there on the day. But that's all it is. It's just a cheap laugh and a smart-ass remark from a, a few guys that just don't have any, either no desire or no idea what to do about this. You know, this has been going on for so long now with the referees. The only people who can do anything about it are all the other teams in the SPFL. Now, the SPFL teams don't out with Celtic don't seem to be really have any mood to challenge this at all. So it really is down to us. Um, and talk about having secret meetings about the VAR, and Brendan Rodgers says in his later press conference that he won't be there. Um, it'll be representatives of the club, so it'll be Michael Nicholson that's there basically talking about VAR, and, you know, it's just an absolute farce that we're just going for cheap laughs um, at an AGM rather than taking any real action, because um, we know that's not going to happen. Yeah. Jar has just dropped out there. Um, I, I'll I'll sort of echo what you say, Stevie, because like it's guys coming out with serious gripes because there is serious concerns about VAR and the fact that it's been utilised completely wrongly. And to come out with smart-ass comments as your reply to a serious gripe, it, it, it's not a good look at an AGM. Okay, if it was a, an off-the-cuff meeting in, in a supporters' club somewhere, you, you could get away with a comment like that maybe, but, but not at the club's official AGM. Like. We all know that there's a big issue with VAR. We all know one team is benefiting greatly from VAR, and the rest of us are just uh, having to put up with botched decisions left, right, and centre. And it's it's not it's not great, and we really do need to address it because it's not the system that's the problem. It's it's the operator. If you go to an IT specialist and say I've got a problem with my laptop, the the, the liable will turn around and say you're ninety nine percent of all. Um, problems with computers are between the keyboard and the seat, and you know straight away that's the person. You know what I mean? It's that's the same with VAR. It's not the system. It's not the referee on the pitch. It's the person between between the computer screen and the, the seat. Yep, and you can't um, you can't teach stupid at the end of the day. Like if they're corrupt or they're just hopeless, then at the end of the day, what can you do about it? Okay, next topic we have is someone mentioned about the main stand being redeveloped. The club said it's hard to make an economic case for doing it. What are your thoughts on that, Steve, considering how much cash we've got sitting in the bank? Yeah, this is, this is pretty disappointing as well. Um, we're sitting here with a waiting list uh, for season tickets and not only you know, did they say there's not plans at present? It, the, the, sort of, the sort of mood behind the statement was that there was uh, that it's not, not going to happen at all because there's just no financial case for it. And it is, the, the South Stand at Celtic Park just now is becoming a complete eyesore and it's holding the stadium back from being a truly top-class stadium. It just looks ridiculous with the height of the three other stands and then the drop down to the main stand. The front facade of the, of the stadium's not been touched since the 1980s. Uh, when it was revamped for the centenary season. And um, if we can't see a, an opportunity to, one, you know, 
maybe host a, a European final at Celtic Park uh, if we get the correct facilities there and also increase the revenue that we're making from uh, fr- from season ticket sales, then there's just no one, and this is the entire problem with the Celtic board, there's no one there with vision, there's no one there with a long-term plan um, to make these things reality. Now, that should 100% be on the agenda. Now, if not this year, certainly within the next five years, there should be something done to address that because you can't just let the thing fall apart. Um, it's now overdue, well overdue for a, for a refurbishment um, and to, to hear them talk like that, there's just no economic case for it. It's, it's just, it's absolute nonsense. As Ali's saying here, it's not going to happen because they all gave themselves pay, pay rises and high fives. They're not going to do it. So, yeah, it's ridiculous. Like, okay, there's investment going to happen in the, they're going to do it Barrowfield. Great. That's some of the money. That's like 20, 20 odd million or whatever that we've got. But that money's going to be made back. You're not going to have to pay it all up front. You, you do up the main stand. Look at what Liverpool did. They did up their main stand. They put an extra tier on top of it, increased their capacity. It cost them about, what was it, about 70 to 80 million pounds or something to do it. But it added an extra like 15,000 people to their stadium. If you're like us and you've got 10, 12,000 on the waiting list, those seats are already paid for. Mm-hmm. Basically, you build it. And over the course of, what, 10 years, 15 years, it's paid for itself. And then, as you're saying, Stevie, we've got a, a stadium with, you know, 75, 80,000. You build the bus drop-offs in there as well so you can actually do a Champions League final. Imagine Champions League final at Paradise. Like, that would be an amazing thing. But, you know, it is what it is, I suppose. As you said, there's no foresight there. If you think back to the Fergus McCann takeover of Celtic, um, during in the mid nineties, Celtic's average attendance was twenty five thousand. Um, so Fergus McCann went and built a stadium with sixty thousand capacity. Now I was around at the time, and there was people, oh, a lot of people saying, "Why are we building a sixty thousand stadium? We don't need it." A lot of people were saying they should build a a, a 30, 30 to forty thousand all seater stadium because that was that was all we needed. Um, but Fergus McCann had the vision um, and the, the 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 ambition to try and achieve. Uh, building a 60,000 stadium and filling it. And he did within a couple of years. He had done it and filled the stadium. And now, you know, we've, we've never really looked back from that. Um, now, if the current board of directors were in charge of Celtic at that time, I don't think we'd be sitting here with a stadium the size of what we've got just now. We'd be sitting with something much smaller. Um, and that's and, and it's, just, it's a really harsh reality for us at the moment. We need someone with vision uh, and with the drive and with the ambition to make these things happen. And sadly, we don't. We've just got a board of directors who are just quite happy to trade water. I'm going to say it though, Stevie. What the board will be saying is, oh, yeah, but we don't want to get back to Ronnie's last season where we had to get the tarps out. Let's be honest. That's what that's what their excuse will say. There's always a reason, but they'll be saying, oh, no, we don't want to do it because oh, if we have a 75, 80,000 seat stadium and we only have 70,000 70, season ticket holders, Oh, we have to put tarps on ten thousand seats. No, you're not. What was the club founded as? Charity. What's one of our biggest supporter bases that a lot of the supporter clubs support? The Kano Foundation. There you go. Get those kids in there week in week out, or have some general admin tickets that people like us from Australia can fly over and actually get a match day ticket. A lot easier than it currently is. I'll tell you what. You'll you'll have a full stadium. The majority. Yeah, you might have the odd Tuesday night game 
or Wednesday game or midweek, whatever, against Ross County where there's no away fans and, you know, all the Irish fans aren't travelling over and stuff like that. So you may have some games where you're playing 30, you, you got 20, 30,000 empty seats. But guess what? It happens now anyway. Some games that you look at the stadium and half of it's half of it's empty, so it's no real big deal. If it's a season ticket, you've got your money for that anyway. So Fergus McCann's the only one who's had the foresight. So all I'm going to say is anyone talking up about the Peter Lawwell statue out the front of the stadium, I know tongue-in-cheek, Fergus needs his statue before anyone else, I'm telling you. We need more people like Fergus with you know, looking forward and ways to grow the club and the supporter base long-term. Redevelop stand, the Fergus McCann South stand. Absolutely. And then if as Kaiser's it, saying, come. Yep. As Kaiser's huh. saying, a fan zone outside the stadium, a trans service from the city centre to the stadium, stadium upgrades as well as infrastructure area around Paradise. There's a whole heap of stuff that needs to be done there as well. You could really just drop that whole area and turn it into like the sporting capital of Glasgow, much the same way in Melbourne. We've got the we've got the sporting precinct, which has got where the Australian Open tennis is held. You've got the footy MCG where the Boxing Day cricket is. We've got soccer stadiums. We've got all sorts of stuff there. You need a sporting precinct. What, what are you even, if you, even, even if you look at it from the point of view of Champions League matches, you know, you can't get a Champions League ticket for Celtic for love and money. Um, so even if you look at the amount of money that people are paying for Champions League packages, if you can sell another, I don't know, 10, 15,000 of them, you know, that's big money every year. And, you know, there's no, it's no surprise that Rangers are looking at options um, to, to put more seats in their stadium. Because I mean, that, that's the way to increase your revenue. And we've got a revenue gap between us and them at the moment. They're looking to bridge that. We should be looking to pull away from them. I mean, adding extra seats, there's every chance we could do that, especially if we turn our stadium into a truly five-star stadium um, that, that, and something the club should be, could be really proud of. Even with the attendance thing, you look at teams like Real Madrid, Barcelona, the, the, the 80,000 I think the Bernabeu holds, 100 and something thousand the Newcamp holds. They don't sell that every week. They'll sell that for big games, but they won't sell that week on and week out. You know what I mean? I think Real Madrid's average attendance is about 60,000, 65,000. You know what I mean? They're looking at a 15,000 seats that are, are unoccupied in most weeks. Benfica is another one. They have a 65,000 seater stadium and they, they have a, a, an average attendance is roughly about the same as us. So that's 10,000 seats each week that are sort of going vacant. You know what I mean? And like you say, that, that, that could be people who can come in and walk off the street and go, do you know what? I fancy going to the Celtic game today and they can go out and then get in there. Like, you know what I mean? Right now you can't do that because they're they're trying to push the the ticket scheme where you just say right I'm from like I'm from the north coast of Scotland originally I could turn around and say that I'm a season ticket holder I'm not gonna I'm gonna be on the oil rigs working this week this week this week my tickets are available and you can you can register on that and try and take a ticket that way if you put that extra fifteen thousand seats on there's gonna be that that demand I think that I think they would sell a lot of them right they might not get a full house every week but I don't like you say Jared I don't think it'll be tarps out right. Yep, so I suppose that's a wait and see how it goes. But, um, yeah, the next one I wanted to bring up was there was a couple of questions about the recruitment at the club. So the first thing is this is twofold. So it was said that Mark Lawwell was appointed because Ange pushed for that and it wasn't his dad that was appointing him to the club. And the second thing is Brendan Rogers apparently gives his final approval for all new signings, whether they are first team ready or 
future development, development players. Stevie, what's your thoughts on both of those? Yeah, well, firstly on the Ange um, um, recommending Matt Lowell. Now, I've got no doubts that that's probably true. I think Ange probably did have some contact with Matt Lowell um, during his time working as a part of the City group. Um, but he's never worked with him directly. He's never worked at the same club as Matt Lowell. So I would ask a question about why are we letting Ange, why are we letting any manager pick who the head of recruitment should be? Um, we had problems with Lee Congerton in the past who Brendan Rodgers brought to the club the first time. So that's perhaps telling you that it's not the best idea to let the manager pick the head of recruitment and rather you go through a, a, a proper recruitment process of your own and find somebody who's the best fit for the bill. And the whole point about Matt Lowell, even if Matt Lowell was a great recruitment manager, he still shouldn't be at the club because there's a conflict of interest there with his dad being the chairman. And at any point, if his, if, it, if his performance keeps going the way it is and he has to be sacked, who's sacking him? Who's sacking the chairman's son? It's just absolutely rotten corporate governance having him in such a key position with his dad as chairman. Um, so whether or not Ange recommended him or not, it should never have happened. Um, and, and it's just sort of typical of the way the club's been run at the moment. You, it's quite Willie? easy to blame the guy that's just out the door, you know what I mean? Ange isn't there, he can't like he can't really stand up and say, Ah, oh, yeah, I did definitely recommend him. They're not really gonna put him on speed dial and phone him, right? Sure you recommended him to us, Ange, oh, yeah. And put him on the microphone and say, Oh yeah, I did. Easy to blame a guy that's not there, but his performance hasn't been great of late. And yeah, I kinda agree with what Stevie says. It does seem to be a little bit of nepotism there. And who who would be the one that pulls the trigger? Like, you know what I mean? I keep saying on the pod about um, I'm massive on the director of football or sporting director sort of role. I think that's what we need to do. Like instead of having it where the manager dictates because we got burnt when Rogers was here last time and left and took Congerton and everyone else with him. And you've had that sort of situations in the past as well, where it's been a churn and burn through the, the lead scout role from John Park to Congerton to some bloke who come up from, I can't remember where the, guy with the weird beard come up from and that there's been that many that um, I just look at it and go I'd rather we had a director of football or a sporting director who oversaw the recruitment the youth academy the b team everything and then you had a first team coach instead of a manager coming through and running the running the show and then that way if you if your coach or manager gets the boot someone's there to oversee it the replacement and the, the recruitment on that side of it and who's going to be in that role if your head scout's done a, done a shit job, you sack him, but the guy's already figuring out who's going to go into what roles and who he's going to talk to, who he's going to interview for the role, and he's always forward planning. That's what I'd love to see for somebody to modernise the club and go that way. And it's going to sound weird, but with Sir Jim Radcliffe or whatever it is, buying a 25% stake of uh, Man United, right? He gets control of the football, the full football decisions. So his first thing he's doing is he sacked their recruitment guy and he's sacking their their chairman. He's bringing in a sporting director. So he's looking at, we talk about these guys, so he's looking at um, Paolo Maldini, uh, Crystal Palace, and that's why I was going there, Willie, Lee Congerton. So he's currently at Atalanta. So I'm looking at it going, we're just talking about that, and then I'm saying sporting director, and what got that going in my head was the mention of Lee Congerton. So it's funny how it all works like that. So 
Congerton goes to Man United and fixes up that that absolute cluster, then what do we think? And um, Andrew Galea is asking me the question, who would be your sporting director? I actually have that answer ready to go. Jackie McNamara. That's who I would want in it. He's coached at the top level. He's a, a player agent. He, he knows the city. And I think he'd be good. I think I actually think he would be good for it. You hear him used to talk on the 67 Hail Hail pod. He knows his stuff. I think he would be a good candidate. Who would you go for, Stevie, if you had to appoint a sporting director? Well, I'm not too sure, but you just gave me a, a flashback there, Jared, when you say that he knows the city. That was what um, that was what Peter Lowe's famous quote when he brought back Neil Lennon. And the sort of retort to that at the time was, well, a taxi driver knows the city, but you're not exactly going to make him a manager of Celtic. So, yeah, like, I, I, see, I see what you're saying about Jackie McNamara, but I'm not too sure. I'm not too sure if um, I, I've not really been following Jackie McNamara's career that closely, to be honest with you. I've thought in the past about maybe a guy like John Collins, um, who's a bit of coaching experience and was a very cultured uh, cultured player. Um, I'm not, as Paddy McLaughlin suggested, Martin O'Neill, I wouldn't be in favour of that. I think the game sort of passed by Martin O'Neill now. Um, I don't think he'd be too um, clued up on the, the modern aspects of the game, so I wouldn't be too into that idea. But I'm not really too sure about it. And I think you don't need to worry about... Um, one thing you don't need to worry about is Matt Lowell Open sticks and leaving and it's having to start again. He's in there now and he's there for the duration, just like his dad. Nobody's getting rid of him. He'll be he, it'll be Matt Law, it's the next sporting director. That's the truth of it. He'll be promoted from recruitment head to sporting director within a year or two, and that'll be it. And he'll, he'll end up being the next CEO in a few years, too. That's my prediction. I'm just saying it'll be John Kennedy because the Lowells have given him every other role at the club, so why not that one? Yeah. <laughs> Willie, who do you reckon? Ah, oh, it's a difficult one. You I would like to see the best man for the, the job to be t- in there. I'm not sure who that would be because I'm not sure sort of is an ex pro the person that would be going in there, or do you need someone with a good bit of business head to them too? Like so it's a difficult one to sort of pick out. I, I wasn't averse to the Ferial Harkin guy coming in and doing it. Like I thought he would be a good appointment there. Like, but so if I was gonna pick someone, I would just try and get that Ferial Harkin guy in. We've got Martin Weir saying Paul Lambert all day if he, if he would have us. I'm looking at it saying, when I said Jackie McNamara, like that's if you want someone with Celtic, like you know, like he's actually a, someone who's been at the club. If you're going to go elsewhere and just look for the best possible candidate, I think a good place to look would be go over and have a look in Portugal. They have a constant evolution in that area in terms of your Benficas, your Sporting Lisbons, your, your Portos. Those sort of clubs have got the good – youth setups to get guys from the B team into the first team and that and the development and how they identify the players in South America and all that, or even like look in Germany sort of thing. Cause there's plenty of that going on over there as well. Every club's basically has to have a sporting director. So there's plenty of talent out there. It's just a matter of how we do it. But yeah, I think that's the way we need to go eventually, but I don't think it'll happen while Brendan's at the club. Let's be honest. Last thing on the AGM, there was some idiot who commented saying that the Green Brigade should be permanently banned. Apparently the room was like some people were clapping, some people were booing, um, and it got a little bit heated. Willie, 
What's your thoughts? You can't you can't ban the Green Brigade. They are the ones who bring the colour and the noise to the game on Saturdays when you're playing St Mirren and it's wet, it's windy and nobody else is making a noise. They're the ones who'll sit there and sing for 90 minutes. They, they, they bring the atmosphere. Okay, they've brought us some fines along the way. They've brought us some bad press along the way. But the, what the good work they do outweighs that exponentially for me. And I've had my issues with them in the past. And I've said a few things about them when they've taken some political um, stances and that I don't agree with. I, I just say, oh, well, hang on, what are you doing? That's not my view. You're trying to make it selfish. But they, nah, I don't think banning them is, is the right way to go. Like, And I think you can see by the fact that people were booing it and the fact that the directors were quite quick to shut it down too in the talks, even though it was brought up a few times, they were quite quick to shut it down from what I'm reading. So... Um, I don't think the issue's finished with just yet. If if, if the stories are true that they've be, they, they've attacked a, a steward at Hibbs's ground, then that that's wrong. But who's to say it was one in the Green Brigade that's done it? Like you know what I mean? It it could be anyone. A number of fans that were there. Like it's quite easy to pin the blame on the Green Brigade for everything when things are going wrong. And I just kind of feel that they're just a scapegoat at this moment in time. For me, Willie, I look at it and go, I, and the reason I said some idiot said that is because for me, we're all Celtic fans at the end of the day. Whether you're a Green Brigade person or you, 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 me, Stevie on the podcast or any other podcast or just people watching or whatever, we all support this club, this wonderful club that we all love. The thing for me about the Green Brigade is I tend to agree with a lot of what they do in terms of the charity work, the colour, the TIFOs, the works, I enjoy a lot of that. The one thing I don't necessarily agree with them on is the the mindset from some of them, not all of them, where it's you're either with us or you're against us, where it's cut and dry like that. There's a lot of grey in life. So it's if you're not holding up a flag for Palestine, then, then you're a Tory, that sort of stuff. And or you're that sort of sort of stuff. I don't necessarily agree with that talk, but at the same time, I do like a lot of what they do. I do think that we are, at the end of the day, we're all Celtic fans. So, yeah, just uh, fuck the board above all else. But, yeah, I don't think they should be banned permanently. Stevie, I'll let you finish that topic off. Yeah, well, the, the idiot, as you called them, who called for them to be banned permanently, also blamed them for, for disrupting the minute silence in the, at the Aberdeen game. Uh, when they when they were actually banned from the match, so that that shows how much they know. Like the the Green Brigade, they they will never be able to ban the Green Brigade if they if they manage to ban the Green Brigade as an entity. Something else will be formed to take their place, and you'll have the the, the same issues moving forward. There are ultras groups with um, with almost every club in Europe now, um, and it's just something that we have you have to get learned to learn to, to take the positives and try and control the negatives. Now, the Green Brigade are, are mainly a bunch of younger guys um, who are looking for a cause to hang on to. Uh, and what they've, the, the sort of cause they've hung on to is one which I, I would certainly have hung on to when I was younger, and that is that Celtic are more than a club. You know, all over. The first thing you see when you click on Celtic's website is a club like no other. Now, if we're... If, are we a club like no other? What makes us a club like no other? Now, some of the issues that the Green Brigade have supported 
are some of the things that make make us a club like no other. The stance we take on social just, justice things, the 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 money we put pump into charity uh, charity initiatives. It's these sort of things that make us a club like no other. And you can never take that away from Celtic. And if the board are trying to do that, then they'll be unsuccessful because something else will spring up to take its place. Um, I don't want to get any a topic. I don't want to get any a discussion just now about the banners or the Palestine situation or anything like that. But the the, the board of directors will be quite happy to make money off the Green Brigade uh, in the past, and it's just now that they think that the sort of the, the public mood is turned against them that they're t- they're taking this action and they're trying to blame things that happened at Hibs and Motherwell without having any evidence, without there being any police action taken against these people and no evidence that, that it was to, anything to do with the Green Brigade as a group. You know, it might have been individuals within the Green Brigade, so take action against them if you've got the CCTV evidence. But you've got no evidence to say that it was a Green Brigade as a group who does these things. So it's just a, it's just a, it's an absolute cover story for their real intentions. And it's not such Go armed again as soon as Peter Lowe's back in the door. Hmm. Funny that. Yeah. Things were quite smooth and nice the last few years. We rehired Bernard Higgins next. Wait for the barriers to be put out the front of the stadium. Yeah. Uh, all right. So we'll, we'll we'll crack on to previewing the game against Motherwell on the weekend because I just looked at the time and thought, oh, Willie looks like he's probably about to have a bit of a nap. So it's getting late over there in New Zealand for you. What is it like? 20 to 11 over there. Yeah, bang on 20 to 11. Yeah. So you better uh, better crack on and finish the pot off pretty quick for you there, Willie. So um, I want to know with you, Willie, how do you think we'll perform after the international break against Motherwell on Saturday? I think um, there might be a couple of changes to our normal sort of lineup. Uh, a couple of guys will be arriving back on Friday, I think, from the press conference. So a couple of them probably won't make Saturday squad, if I'm honest. Motherwell are in absolutely honking form. Um, so I, I think we'll win, and I think we'll win quite comfortably at the weekend. How do you think we'll go, Stephen? Yeah, I agree with, with Willie. Um, but Rogers was saying today, everyone's got, yeah, we've come back from the international break fairly unscathed, apart from uh, Johnson and Palmer, who are not due back till Friday. Now, that being the case, you'd have to think they might not make the game on Saturday if they only arrive back on Friday. Um, so uh, God only knows who's going to play in the wide areas. I know Yang will take one of them. The other side, I don't know, maybe Mikey Johnson. I mean, who knows? But um, yeah, I, I can see Ralston starting in place of uh, in place of Johnston. So um, I think we've got we certainly got enough, and even with those changes, we should have enough in the tank to beat Motherwell and beat them fairly comfortable. But like as anything else, it all depends on getting the early goal um, and, and, and you know, stopping them being able to sit in for the longer and longer the game goes on, the harder it becomes. But I think we'll win in quite easily. Yep. So off the back of that, what players do you think will get the chance to step up into the first team off the back of the international break? Because we're just talking about this players getting back late or whatever. You just mentioned Mikey Johnson. Do you think it'll be James Forrest? Do you think we're going to see the man, the myth, the legend, Marco Tilio? What do you think is going to happen here, boys? Go to you first, Willie. I think Ralston will come in at right back because Johnson's one of the ones that's going to arrive back late. Um, I don't think Palmer will feature, so Yang will go out on the left. And it'll probably be James Forrest on the right with 
O'Reilly, Bernardo and Karl Mark in the middle. Steve, what are you thinking? Yeah, I agree, I agree with Willie at the back there. will definitely be, I'm pretty sure it'll be Ralston at right back unless Johnson comes back 100% fit. You know, they can't help with being tired after a load of long flight, flights and only arriving back on the Friday. So I think it'll be Ralston. Um, you know, there's half of me would like to see Callum McGregor getting a rest and maybe Iwata getting a run in the deep line midfielder. But, you know, Arras, I'm not sure if that... Yeah, yeah, we, we, we say that we say that quite often, especially after having played two full games for Scotland. But, you know, it hasn't happened in the past. So I'm not 100% convinced it's going to happen now. Um, so, yeah, we see Matt O'Reilly will be in the team as well. And, and well, he's probably right, Bernardo too. Um, it'll be interesting um, whether he brings in Mikey Johnson or moves Yang to the left. Uh, Yang done really well on the right um, against uh, Aberdeen. Um, and I think I, I kind of might be more inclined to leave him there uh, and bring Mikey Johnson in on the other side. So, but I'm not too sure. And even if he does start with Forrest, Forrest won't last the full game. So they'll be looking for one of the wide players to, to come off the bench and replace him. Um, now, your point about Marco Tilio, you know, we're, we're all champing at the bit to see him, but there's no sign of it. You know, he's not been on the bench. And for him to come come right in from the cold like that, I, I just can't see it. I think you have more chance of seeing maybe something like Rocco Vata stepping onto the bench and maybe getting an opportunity. And I wouldn't be averse to that either. Yes, what I was going to say is I was just looking something up here quickly while you were talking to see how it is because I'm thinking, yeah, we need. I'd like to see Cal Mackie for the amount of minutes he's played over the international break. He's looking a little leggy before it, so give him the game off. He'd play a water in that role uh, because I'd want him fresh for the game against Lazio during the week. So, yeah, I think we'll be fine without it. But so starting lineups, I'm going to go with Harding goals, Taylor, Scales, Carter Vickers, Ralston across the back. Middle of the park, I want to go with Awada, Home and O'Reilly. And then up front, we're going to go Vada. We're going to go uh, Yang, and we're going to go with Kyogo through the middle. Willie? Yeah. I know, I know you pretty much said yours before, but any yeah, um, disagreements there? Nah, I've got Hart and Goals, Ralston, right back, CCV, Scales, Taylor, Kalmak, O'Reilly, Bernardo, Forrest, Kyogo, and Yang. Stevie, what are you thinking? Yeah, I think maybe um, same as Willie, except that I can see him starting Mikey Johnson instead of Forrest, um, and that'll be interesting. But I agree with the rest of the team from from Willie. I think that'll be that'll be the case. I'd like, as I said, I'd like to see him um, giving Cal Mack a rest and playing a water, but I don't think it'll happen. I think I think if we go a couple of goals up, you might see Cal Mack come off at halftime, right? So I think he will get a bit of a rest, like, but I think they need him on there to begin with. Like he is, he is the fulcrum in which the team balances at times, like. So I can't see him dropping him. As much as you say, Stevie, he does need a rest, like, but I just can't see it happening. That. So I'm going to put some, um, bring a couple of comments up here. So the Pork Chop Express is saying on Forest, I appreciate what he's done for Celtic, but he should be guiding a youngster on his path to the first team, not keeping the young lads out of the picture. I think that's referring more to Rocco Vada. Andrew Gulley is saying Rogers will play Forest. Kaiser is saying, can Kobayashi play left back? 
I uh, don't think so, but Scales can. So would you push Scales to left back and put Kobayashi at left center back? I'd rather not muck around with it and just keep Taylor there. So, um, yeah, score predictions, boys. I'm going to go 3-1. That's, we'll win at 3-1. Uh, Kyogo with a double and, yeah, I think uh, O will come off the bench and score. Willie, what are you thinking? Uh, 4 0 for me. Kyogo with a double, Yang with one, and O'Reilly with the other. Stevie, what's yours? Yeah, I think it'll be 3 0 to Celtic. Um, I think we'll probably go up, be up 3 0 by half time, and, and we'll make a raft of changes at half time and, and just see the game out in the second half. So I think um, Kyogo will be buying the score sheet. I think Matt O'Reilly will be buying the score sheet. And uh, for the third goal, maybe off, off the bench after Kyogo gets a rest. Nice. All right, guys. So we'll finish the pot off with our final thoughts. So um, I'll go first just just for fun. If you see a, a little bird falling out of a tree behind your car tyre, don't drive over it, move it. It's the nice thing to do. Willie? Uh, listen, see what you're saying there. I remember I was working night shift on an, on an oil terminal and there was this rabbit that got hit. It was in the middle of the road and we thought we would do the nice thing and just drive over it and we drove past it and we missed it. <laughs> drove off up the road, we came back 10 minutes later, it was still alive. Like, so if you're going to follow it, so my final thought is if you're going to follow Jared's advice, just do it properly. Like. Stevie? Yeah, I don't have anything to add to the animal euthanasia section. <laughs> yeah, I, I might just mention, um, went to see uh, Kevin Bridges in the Sydney Opera House the other day there, um, and it was absolutely brilliant. So I know he's got a, a few more shows left in, in Australia. So if you're going to get along, get yourself along there if you can get a ticket, and it's absolutely fantastic show. All right. So thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Hit the like button, help us with the YouTube algorithm, you know, get pushed out to more people. I appreciate the comments and we'll chat to you on Monday on the Pot Noodle. How how? Sports Social Podcast Network.